Daniel Peterman is not going fourth overall. You're out of your god dang mind just because he went to McMaster and you're being a homer. You've got to be kidding me. He is not going in the you? first round. He's not going in the first round. Back to you, Rick. The CFL Draft 2018 edition is finally here. Hey, everybody, James Sabalski and Davis Sanchez. Welcome back to the Waggle, better known as Chez and Balls. And as always, Chez, the Waggle brought to you by Sport Clips, my friend. Sport Clips, that, that place that provides us with that love, that MVP haircut experience that me and you Love so much. Uh, that's uh, sh- massaging shampoo. Hot steam towels. The hot. St- that's my favorite. You steam towel guy. Massage. Massage and and, and back rubs. Of course. Okay, back, maybe they don't back do back rubs. Yours gave a back rub. Well, uh, uh, maybe not. Yeah, Wishful been, thinking. I've been going to the wrong location, but uh, <laughs> but the sports on TV is what I love because I hate to go to the shop and be sitting there staring at. People and and stare, I like to stare at people. But. And then you just stare at the back of your head, like you're looking in the mirror and you're just kind of staring at yourself, or you're looking at the barber every once in a while. So it's nice to have a distraction, and that's what Sport Clips does. So if you're gonna be there, you got to go get a haircut. You got to spend a, some time to get over to the shop. Go to Sport Clips. They got TVs, all the other good stuff we talk about. Hang out, watch sports, and get cleaned up. Because a lot of you guys, be honest, you need to get cleaned up. And for first-time customers, by the way, if you go to cfl.ca/waggle. You can get a voucher for a free haircut, courtesy of Sport Clips, for first-time customers. Find the nearest location at you at sportclips.ca. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. Legendary haircuts, my friend. Legendary haircuts. So here we go. CFL Draft is upon us. Uh, That's Chez, as I mentioned. I'm James. And here we go. We bring in CFL.ca's draft guru, Mr. Marshall Ferguson. Uh, The first time we've had a chance to really catch up since the uh, CFL week where the uh, we were up close and personal uh, calling the CFL Combine 2018 edition. Marshall, welcome back, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. We're excited to be back. It's, uh, it's a good time of year. It's the most speculative three or four days I think we have arguably in the entire CFL calendar. You must cringe every time you see us call you to say, it's like, okay, these two guys, they need my help again. They need me to carry them through another draft here on on the on their podcast so they better start paying up here even they're gonna be like triple the price at some point here right marsh no hey man when we were out there in winnipeg i think we had a blast because we we all had a difference of opinion like i, I honestly thought um this year's combine coverage that we had i don't see if i'll not say was so much better than what we did in regina the previous year because this year it was just it was free-flowing and it was open it was a credit to kelly shoulders and everybody that put that broadcast on, on with us but it was uh i thought really fun because I had an opinion on a guy and Davis had a difference of opinion and James you added in you had a thought on what a guy could be at the next level and you knew the comparable of what he could be 10-15 years down the road because you have that experience being around the league so no it's it's not a not a one-man show by any means but I appreciate you guys calling me back in it sounds like I'm old Chez sounds like I'm really old (laughs) (laughs) I had a good time I'm with you that was good it was a good time and and uh like you said difference of opinion it makes it makes the world go around and and it, it helps uh you know helps everyone get now, when they look, everyone's got an opinion, and, and when you you look at a guy and James look at a guy, you might look at it one way, and, and I might look at it differently. And, and the fans, and as we're going to find out in a couple of days, GMs look at it differently too. Like we say, um, no other league in the world is much intrigue to a draft as this one, just because of all the variables that go into the the CFL draft. And starting starting with that uh, is the NFL draft and the um, 
the restricted, unrestricted free agents that get deals and the invite minicamp invites um, that get get deals. Dakota Shepley and Ryan Hunter, uh, two guys that got contract NFL contracts. They'll be at main training camp uh, in the National Football League. Uh, Marsh, a couple other guys also got invites to minicamps. Uh, talk to us about those guys. Yeah, so going down through the list, like there was a whole bunch that got invited to all these different things. You kind of got to look at it on a case-by-case basis, right? Because every single player uh, is different, and you have to look at it based on whether or not they're getting that rookie minicamp invite or if they are getting the undrafted free agent status. So, um, so the Ryan Hunter and Dakota Shepley things that you mentioned, that puts them maybe a little bit more of a risk going into uh, the draft just because they might slide a little bit. I still have a hard time having as much as Justin Senior did last year because he was actually drafted, of course. So, uh, so that's kind of the barometer I'm using on these guys, and then I'm kind of comparing them to essentially what happened to Jeff Gray last year, which is we have not seen Jeff Gray yet in the Canadian Football League, even though he was taken eighth overall by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because he got snapped up by the Green Bay Packers, ended up spending the season with the Jets, finished the season off, and he's still with the Cleveland Browns. And so uh, those guys are kind of the ones that are at risk of going through that and not being around. But the other ones that I think are, are interesting here, uh, there's always the as we know, Kevin Abrams is the assistant general manager with the New York Giants, uh, and he is a Western Mustangs crowd graduate. And so uh, I, I talked to him last year during the draft process, my first time interacting with him, and just kind of, asked why he was bringing all these guys in, what it was about. And he basically just said they deserve the opportunity. And because of where he comes from, he wants to give them that opportunity. So uh, the guys that are you've got Jackson Bennett, who we all love. It's combine DB slash linebacker. He'll be a DB at that level, though, uh, in terms of getting a look over there. And then uh, you also have Mark Cordy uh, of Alberta getting a rookie minicamp invite to both the Jets and the Giants. So he'll be spending a little bit of time in the New York area over the next little while in New York, New Jersey. Uh, and then the other ones that I got for you here, David Neville, has accepted rookie minicamp invites to the Oakland Raiders and the New Orleans Saints. Peter Godbear, uh, rookie minicamp invite to the Houston Texans. And arguably the most interesting one, guys, is on offensive lineman Trey Rutherford turning down opportunities for the sake of being in the Canadian Football League and focusing on the draft this Thursday, according to Farhan Lalzi. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. And I'll tell you what, it's, uh, <laughs> I, have no, uh, I have no knowledge about, about what he was offered and what he wasn't offered. And so I would say this on a on a on a on the large scope, anyone who has an opportunity who's coming out of college for the first time, and I've said this over and over again, for the first time. Now, if you've been to NFL camps before, if you've you've been cut from NFL teams, that NFL camp is is a grind. Uh, it's tough to go through if you have a family and you've already done it once, you've done it twice. I could understand not wanting to go through it again. If you're a CFL quarterback, a Bo Levi Mitchell, Mike Riley, who have who are making half a million dollars and have already been and already had those opportunities like Mike has, Travis has, maybe you wouldn't do it. But for a guy coming out of college for the first time to turn down an opportunity um, to get in front of scouts to go against other NFL caliber players, I just can't see what that dollar value would look like to, to turn that down or to not do that. Just doesn't. There's no, there's no scenario in any world that where I believe that. Uh, not to say it didn't happen. I shouldn't say I don't believe that. Well, I could see myself doing that, and uh, but not to say he didn't. Maybe he did. I just can't see any reason um, why you wouldn't give yourself that opportunity. Well, hold on a second, because the one thing I would say to that is... Not buying it! Think of the optics, though. Uh, think of the optics for a second on that. So let's just say, let's just say he doesn't get the offers that to what you're suggesting. But to be public about saying, hey, you know what? I'm focusing on the CFL draft, and with the volatility now at the top with all these guys now signing, Marshall, this is almost like 
an optics of goodwill towards the CFL and for scouts and GMs. When uh, to me, it feels like it's a smart play, regardless for a guy like Trey Rutherford, where you know he could look at getting a nice payday, regardless as an offensive lineman in the CFL. Yeah, like let's be real about this too. I, I agree with Davis that it's unrealistic, but everybody has different things that drive them, right? And so if you are Trey Rutherford and you feel like your motivation is to make a bunch of money and be established, and he's from Markham, like maybe he's doing this as a way because he wants to end up somewhere in Ontario because he wants to be close to family. Like I know Matt Sewell, who came out of his master when I was there, he was all about family. And so when he got drafted by the Argonauts rather high, when he came out of school in 2012, 2013, um, I know that it was a huge deal for him to be in the Toronto area. And that was the only place he wanted to be. And of course he was involved in the Sean Lemon trade with which there's still a conditional pick that the riders are going to have to kind of get sorted out ahead of Thursday this week, because Sean Lemon goes from the rough riders to the Argonauts and going back the other direction was supposed to be Matt, Matt Sewell. Well, family was important enough to Matt Sewell that he decided I'm not going to Saskatchewan. I don't want to be out there. I don't want to play for that team. If I was going to play professional football, it was going to be right here close to family because that's what I'm about. I don't know what Trey Rutherford's situation is with his family. I don't know if that's necessarily the singular reason. What I do know is that whoever his agent is, and I don't know who that is either. I'm sure Farhan and other people that are more tucked in with the agent side of things outside of evaluation, like I like to do, um, they would know. And this feels like an agent play, like you're talking about, James, where an agent got in his ear and said, listen, this is a deep offensive line class. There's a bunch of guys who could go kind of high here. There's, you know, Bowling Green, Ryan Hunter, you got Dakota Shepley, you got Mark Corte, you got uh, Ryan Skevier, you got Darius Siraco coming out of Calgary. Like there's legitimately eight to 10 offensive linemen who could go in the top 20 to 30 picks here. And I wonder if whoever his agent is just tapped him and said, you know how you can really separate yourself? Cause your testing scores are already great. Your size is already good. Your film and durability is already good. You're checking off a bunch of boxes. You know how you can separate yourself. When was the last time that somebody said, you know what? I want to go to the CFL and I'm not really worried about anything else. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's the way that things turned out. What I do know is if that's the move that he made, that goodwill play that you're talking about, James, it worked. Like, I fully expect that if that's the move and if teams are calling him or his agent this week and saying, what the hell are you guys doing? Are you sure you don't want to try this out? Are you really just going for the CFL? If they say yes and they're like, yeah, we're all in, man, whoever gets an opportunity to take him nice and early is going to do it. I mean, yeah, from, if it's from a professional, if it's anything other than a professional well, standpoint, so you're buying it now. I'm not buying it at all. But <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, what I'm saying is if it's, like Marsh said, you're saying goodwill. There's no, this doesn't work that way. There's no goodwill. There's no goodwill in drafting a prospect for your business. It's, it's business and it is what it is. I, I will say this. If, like Marsh mentioned, if there is a family situation or other outside circumstances that are n- not professionally but outside circumstances from a family standpoint, then 100%, I understand it. It makes, it makes sense, and I get it. From a professional standpoint, there's, there's no goodwill. There's no angling. There's none of that. It doesn't play. No, one, no, no GM is, is, is not going to see through this play. They're going to say the same thing I said, and he, he didn't get a look, and his agent trying to pull the wool over um, evaluators' eyes, and no, nobody's buying that. So anyway, more of the story is whether he did or didn't get an invite, he was going to be a high pick in this draft anyway, so good for him, uh, good for that young man for getting this opportunity, and uh, we'll see we'll see what happens uh, with Trey Rutherford. Marshall, tell me this. Here we are, and, and Chez, you weigh in on this as well. Big deal or no big deal, the invites. You know, guys like Shepley and Hunter, with them signing with the Jets and the Chiefs respectively, that's one thing, but for all the other invites... There's a lot of guys that are projected to go in the first round here. 
just before we dive into this mock draft, because we're going to go around the horn here, we're all going to take we're all going to take turns and and do the first round here for everybody listening this week. But big deal or no big deal in terms of uh, these these invites and I guess even the deals signed as free agents uh, going into the draft here. Uh, Marsh, start with you. Yeah, I, I think it's a big deal in terms of the undrafted free agents that you're talking about that are getting those actual training camp invites or at the very least mini camp invites because. Um, I like to think about the two places that Canadian guys are going as well, right? They're both offensive linemen and they're going to the giants and they're going to the chiefs. And to me, um, those two spots that they are going to, like, I just, I feel like they've got a connection. Um, when you're talking about them, I should say Shepley's going to the jets, my, my fault. Um, but that, that experience that you're getting with the chiefs right now, when you're talking about Ryan Hunter going there, um, Laurent Duvernay-Tarnif, of course, is over there. And he was a guy that came out of McGill and we all understand the success that he's had cracking the starting lineup and being a big part of their offensive line. So I think it's a big deal because clearly an organization that's looked at having success diving into Canada and, and has decided to try and go back to the well with another guy. Now that's not the only reason they would sign him is because he's Canadian. We had experience, but I just, I do think that it plays in. So I think he's got a good chance to be somebody who sticks around for at least a little while, kind of like Jeff Gray is doing that we talked about in terms of the rookie minicamp workouts. I think Davis would know better about those than that because I ain't never been in an NFL training camp. But I do look at them in terms of the number of guys that go to them and then come back and end up playing in the CFL as more of an experience than a roadblock to them being in the Canadian Football League. I, I, so I say no big deal on the rookie minicamp deals because I, I do think it's an opportunity. It's a great professional chance for them to strut their stuff and to be in a new environment. But a lot of the guys that go there don't end up panning out and sticking in that spot. So I don't want to treat it like it's, you know, it's the end of their CFL draft and we should take them in the 50s and nobody should touch them. I just think they're so talented that they're worth the risk considering the low percentage of guys that stick when they end up taking that road. A great mentor of mine, Marshall, uh, said to me, it's, all you can ask for is a seat at the table. And uh, so I'm, I'm, with you. I'm with you. It's a great opportunity for these guys. These guys are getting, you know, the Jackson, the Jackson Bennett and uh, the Mark Cordy. And these guys are getting, that's a great opportunity to get in front of these NFL scouts. And whether or not they stick now or not, this is a chance for, for these guys to be seen and to get put on the radar of these decision makers, which is a huge opportunity, which, you know, 20 years ago, it wasn't happening. Guys weren't getting these chances for, you know, so many guys, either you were in or you were out. So this is a, this is a big opportunity in regards to how Cavis Reed, um, Ed Hervey, um, Eric Tillman, how these guys look at it, not a big deal at all. It's basically, it's basically like getting an open, uh, getting a tri- an open tryout. At a, at a camp, so you know, high percentage of these guys are are going to return. Uh, so I'm with you. Uh, great opportunity. Uh, evaluation evaluation wise, no big deal. And gentlemen, hey, look, let's not forget I'll as of why. Oh, go ahead, Marshall. You guys, like the. No, sorry, I was just going to add in like a, a, something that's always stuck in my memory when you want to talk about those rookie minicamp invites and yeah, the professional opportunities to be, be up against the best. I remember the year Landon Collins got drafted out of Alabama. And he went to the New York Giants. And Chris Ackey, who, of course, now is a Montreal Alouette, he was in that same rookie minicamp. And I was going through pictures on the website because I'm like, man, there's a lot of Canadians that ended up in this Giants rookie minicamp, again, because of the Western Mustangs connection with Kevin Abrams. And so I was going through the pictures, and I saw a picture of Chris Ackey, who I had played against when he was at Wilfrid Laurier, standing next to Landon Collins. I think he had just won the national championship, All-American, all these accolades, first-team defense. And Chris Ackie, just by his body, looked like the number one draft pick in the NFL, not the rookie minicamp kid out of Canada. Like that, to me, stuck out because it wasn't necessarily, oh, he's the best 
better player. We all know that Chris Ackie is not Landon Collins. That's why he's not in the NFL. But I just remember that sticking out to me as, wow, sometimes when you put these guys side by side in the same uniform in a rookie minicamp, they just get a chance to play. And then you never know what's going to happen. But again, the low percentage on return just suggests that, yeah, like you're saying, Davis, it'll be the Tillmans and the Kyle Walters and everybody else in the world looking at that and saying, okay, Go do your thing. We'll talk after, but we're probably going to take you in relatively the same spot as we would have anyway. Yeah, to, to further your point, the opportunity to get in practice with those guys is you also, it's a way to gauge kind of yourself against those guys. They'll come back now, but if some of these guys who are more development guys are looking to make that jump to the National Football League later on down the road, now you kind of have a barometer of, you say, you know, you've you played with this guy. You know what he, look, what he looks like, and you know, you know what, he wasn't that much quicker than me, or he, he didn't have that much more punch than me, or he, we were the same size, or these type of things. They're, that's valuable. That's really valuable. I know that for me, I, I went through those steps all throughout my career, whether it was you know the first day I walked into junior college in California, I was there sight unseen. I walked into camp and had the first day of, of practice and did one-on-ones, and I had no idea what I was. I didn't know. I thought I was great in Vancouver. I thought I was great, but I got there. I didn't know how good I w- was compared to these guys. I knew after one day, you know what, I'm as good as these guys. If I do what I got to do, I can play with these guys. I knew that. Then, you know, you go to the next step and you go to Division One school and you get there. I walk in my first day there and you, you go to, uh, I'm at Oregon. I walk in. How good are these guys? They're all Americans. These guys, some of these guys can get drafted. You practice. Hey, wait a minute. You know, this guy's good, but I see what I need to do. And you go through those steps, you know, CFL, NFL, all the way through. This is one of those steps for all these guys to really get away to uh, a chance to, to uh, look at the, themselves against guys that they're going to watch play on Sundays on national television in the, in the NFL. So it's a great opportunity. I'm glad that uh, they're going to get this chance, but it's not going to affect the draft status. And uh, lots of questions, Marsh. Marsh, help us out here. Let's get this, uh, let's get this thing kicked off. Yeah, Marshall. Uh, here we go. We're gonna uh, we're gonna go around the horn here with our uh, our mock draft, and uh, so Marshall will go first. I'll go second. Davis will go third, and we'll round out the uh, the first pick. We figure because our draft guru is in the house, we might as well give him the first overall selection. Now, before we before we dive into this one, there's been a lot of reports and and stories floating around the last 24 hours or so, suggesting that. You know, the Owls might deal this pick, or it's possible they could. They've had some offers from it. Um, what do you think, legitimately, what do you think? Chez, I'll start with you on this one. What do you think the likelihood of, of the Owls dealing this pick? Especially, I, it's hard to see that happening now, especially with all the volatility that's just happened with all these, you know, projected first-rounders now all of a sudden uh, making, uh, making de- like, you know, now signing contracts and getting invites here to NFL camps. There's always, you know, there's always a, a chance that that a, that a GM or a team deals that first pick. It's that's a position of power. What the issue for me is, it's only going to be the trade is only going to be uh, for a quarterback because that's really the only the only thing that you know Montreal is probably going to be willing to trade away their future for, and that quarterback is is Johnny Manziel. To to hate to bring it for all the haters who don't want to hear his name come out of our mouths, Johnny, 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 Johnny. Um, Johnny Manziel is the rea- is reality. Uh, you know, if Hamilton, if he doesn't get something done, the draft is over. It's going to be the next kind of you know up until Thursday, uh, where Johnny, if he doesn't have a deal, Johnny by now at an NFL camp, that means he's coming to Canada, and that means now Hamilton has to decide you know, what they're going to do with uh, with their quarterback situation. That they, uh, you know, and you were out there, Martian. I- I've talked to guys in, in Hamilton. 
they said that that Jeremiah looked really, really good in that first mini camp. So the fact is, that if they do get Johnny, they don't think that Johnny could beat out Jeremiah anyway. I believe. Uh, so that that's the only way that trade that pick gets traded is if the Ticats do a sign and trade or trade the rights to to Johnny, and then I could see it happen. We won't find that out till till Thursday. Yeah, I have a hard time kind of imagining that unfolding, even though it's kind of the honest truth that that is the situation for two reasons. One, um, the Tiger Cats are very aware of the financial boost that Johnny Manziel being in uniform on their roster would give them. And so even though he might not be able to beat out Jeremiah Masoli, I don't know if they have interest in trading his rights at all after seeing the fact that he's been able to push a couple million dollars worth of hoodies like down in the States. Like that's It's insanity how this guy's brand continues to transcend and continues to be able uh, to create his own kind of a mass hysteria wherever he goes, even in the spring league. Like he drummed up enough buzz that the, the Bleacher Report stream that I was trying to watch to scout the guy crashed in the second game that he was playing in. Like the website couldn't handle the number of people that were trying to follow him playing on a Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and whenever it was, March, April, um, on, a, on a field with a couple of hundred spectators in Austin, Texas. Like, so I don't know if the Ticats would want to disband from that. The other side of this is if I'm the Alouettes, if I'm training the first overall pick, like you talked about Davis there, and James, you know this too, I want to trade it for now. Like if you're going to give up your future, I need now. There's no guarantee that Johnny Manziel is now. There's a guarantee Johnny Manziel wants to play football right now. But if you're drafting an offensive lineman, let's say, with the first overall pick, what are you hoping to get out of that guy? Eight to 12 years and hoping that he turns into a multiple-time all-star that he anchors your offensive line, that he's consistent, that he grows into a member of the community, that he gives back. If you're Johnny Manziel, you've made it very clear, I want to go somewhere in the CFL, play for a couple of years, earn my way back to the NFL, and then be gone. And I don't even know if trading the first overall pick for Johnny Manziel is a good idea if he's going to be gone in two years, because overall value, you need to get more than that, I think, when the other option is to have somebody for 8 to 12 that's going to be productive for you. So uh, if they're trading it, and if it's for a quarterback, would have to be for somebody that can play now, in my opinion. And I, I don't know if that person is out there right now in the CFL because I think the name that we all had buzzing that was kind of in that conversation was James Franklin, and then we all know what happened with him going to the Argonauts. Right, then, fair enough. Yeah, that's exactly it. Now the Argos have solidified their depth behind Ricky Ray unless something changes differently in camp uh, once we kick off as we kick off the month of May later this month. Uh, all right, so here we go. Uh, you're on the clock here, Marshall, with the first overall pick. Uh, take it away. Kick off the party for us. I am sheepish on this because of Davis shooting down the legitimacy of the report. But I will say, uh, I, if it is true, and if it is a phone call that's been made from Cavis reading the Montreal Alouettes, and they're looking at taking offensive linemen, the group that, that was kind of at the top of the scouting bureau throughout this entire process, right back in September all the way until we come into May today, is that you end up looking at Dakota Shepley, very athletic, very talented, loves to get downfield, loves to finish the play. You've got Peter Godbear, who's a bit more of a, kind of a, a bowling ball that wants to fight you, wants to get his hands on you and work you down the field. You've got uh, Ryan Hunter that's similar, but more athletic, more quickness to his game. He's a little more twitchy in the offensive line. He does really, really good work getting to the second level because of that quickness. So he's unique because of that. you got David Neville, the big tackle that's had limited experience at Nebraska, but a very, very talented, huge human being, like special, special measurables in terms of size. And then you've got Trey Rutherford. And that's kind of the top five group right there with the Mark Cordes and the rest of the guys from Canada West that I mentioned earlier from the University of Calgary Dinos. That's the group to me that I think has to be evaluated for the Montreal Alouettes. Because I just think in this league, as currently constituted, you got to take an offensive lineman when you're building from the ground up. If this was a different team like last year with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, they could afford to take Faith Akakati because they had offensive line solidarity and they needed to add national depth 
to a different position. Hey, Mar- hey Marsh, hey Marsh, from hey Marsh, hey Marsh, Marsh, are, yeah. are you going to make a pick? <laughs> I'm making the. Are you good? Just make. Are you make? Are you going to make a pick? UConn, offensive line, man. <laughs> Trey Rutherford, boys. That's wind out of his I just, you, you I, I, It's the... long winded, I know, but it, it's. I just feel like out of the group that I just mentioned all their names. The point I was getting to is you're splitting hairs when you're trying to decide who that guy is going to be, and if you're going for that position and you're splitting, why not go for the guy that it appears really wants to be in the CFL? Kind of the devil you know in ter- in terms of the safety pick that you know he's going to be around based on what he's trying to commit to compared to with the uncertainty now. I, you know what, Marsh? That makes sense on a lot of levels for me just because – you don't you don't know what you're going to get. Dakota Shepley impressed me a lot physically in terms of what he could bring to the table. So, you know, he's big, he's fast, he's strong, he's mobile, and he's versatile. So you could plug him around. What's to say that he cracks a practice roster spot? You know, down in the National Football League with with the Jets, it's not inconceivable to me. So, going with Rutherford even though we took the wind out of your sails on that one, like you will never see Roger Goodell do that or, or Gary Bettman or Adam Silver just like, hey, wrap it up. You need to wrap that up, B. It's because those guys have class. Imagine, yeah. imagine Goodell getting up to the podium and giving you a three-minute player evaluation before announcing his first overall draft. Like, how terrible that be? <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So with the second overall pick, I uh, because he's still on the board and because of the volatility suddenly uh, with offensive linemen, I'm going to say with the second overall pick, the Hamilton Tie Cats are proud to select Mark Chapman, wide receiver uh, who had a beast of a CFL week combine and a guy who you know you talk about immediacy, a guy who can play potentially right now. And Marshall, you could probably speak to this being in the city of Hamilton. Uh, this addresses what, to me, what felt like a need even last season, and you need to have an heir apparent for Andy Fantuz, who may or may not even be back this year. Yeah, to me, it's the perfect pick, and it doesn't necessarily say what they need, but it says what the Ticats already have. And again, not biased because I'm in Hamilton, but I am biased because I understand their depth chart better than some of the other teams in this league because I'm always around them. And I look at the Ticats offensive line. Everybody talks about their interior three. They've got Filer, Bombin, and Revenberg drafted just a couple of years ago. But behind that, they've already got Braden Schramm. They've got Brett Golding out of Loria. They've got Landon Rice as their swing tackle. They've got legitimately six or seven offensive linemen that are already good to go. Now, Filer and Bombin are in the final year of the contracts, I believe. So that is an option to go offensive line. But if you're just talking about right now an immediate impact, they're pretty set when it comes to offensive line, and they are developing talent, which is why I have Chapman going in my mock draft as well on CFL.ca number two, because I believe that they could use an upgrade. Shamon Chambers is a really, really good player. He produced when he came over from Edmonton for a couple of games at the end of last season. But behind that, you start looking down the list. It's Jacob Scarfone, which was a draft pick coming off an ACL a couple of years ago. It's Mike Jones, who had a little bit of the drop sees last year. And so there's not a lot of talented depth behind that. Those are, those are fast guys. Those are slow guys. But they just haven't shown out yet. And I think the biggest part of that pick, James, honestly, is that Mark Chapman, when you look at the way he was used in Central Michigan, it was slants. It was bubble screens. It was jet sweeps. It was quick receiver screens. They got him the ball in ways that already look like June Jones' offense. And June Jones is expanding his offensive package this year in Hamilton. If Chapman comes in, it's not going to be like, well, how do we use this guy? I don't know. We have to try and design a package for him. He already runs all the stuff that's kind of a collegiate-style offense that June Jones has implemented in Hamilton. So he's a perfect fit, in my opinion. 
All right, so we're moving. We're moving to number three now, uh, Doctor Sabowski. That's right, the Lions. Now, with, with the third pick, new BC Lions general manager would like to select Dakota Shepley from University of British Columbia. And the reason, the reason I like this pick for for the Lions and for Ed Hervey is they're in desperate need of some physicality. Uh, in that on that offensive line, and, and that's what Dakota Shepley brings. Uh, yes, he has a UFA deal, which I think uh, is is a is one of the reasons why he may not go one or two, and it's still going to be a question at three. But I think um, he's the best lineman, in my opinion, um, that's going to be available. Um, I don't think that Hunter sticks. If if Dakota Shepley is available, part of me, uh, I think that uh, he's he's got a chance to make that team. I think Ryan Hunter is Ryan Hunter just to check so many boxes on, um, you know, in Kansas City. Also, another note with Ryan Hunter is he has the same agent as as Tardif down there in Kansas City, so they have a relationship with the team already. Already have a high paid guy that's has the same client and from the same place. I just think there's a built in relationship there. Um, Shepley, what Shepley does that differentiates him from a lot of the other guys is just his flexibility, his movement. He's an athlete. He can. You watch how low he gets. You watch his um, his knee bend, which is so important. I, I like Shepley for that reason. Uh, he's going to be a guard, no question. And then he's tough. And so putting him in the interior of that line, which Ed Hervey's a tough guy, and he wants tough guys. And I think that's a that's a fit for this BC Lions team. So that's my pick, number three, Dakota Shepley. I like it. It makes sense. You're keeping. You're keeping a. a t- it's not homegrown. Grown. He's he's a Windsor, Ontario product, but he played his football at at UBC. I'm convinced that the Lions have seen plenty of it, uh, and it, and it addresses exactly like you said, a glaring need. All right, Marshall. That brings us over to uh, to the number four selection for the Ottawa Red Blacks, trying to get back to. Uh, the top of the mountain where they were in 2016, but took a little bit of a slip, uh, a little fall down uh, uh, this past year in 2017. Where do you see the fourth pick going? I'll get right to the point so Davis doesn't have to dive in on me here. The <laughs> Ottawa Red Blacks are proud to select receiver Dan Peterman out of McMaster. Uh, it might seem like a little bit of a reach for him to go this high, guys, but I was looking at it, and I'm trying to picture where he could possibly go outside of this. I don't know if there's a true fit for Dan Peterman in terms of national depth at receiver Though I don't see the Riders taking a receiver in the first round. I think they have other needs they'd like to be able to address. Um, the Edmonton Eskimos are a possibility, but again, I think that they have other spots. Same with Winnipeg. The Stampeders are a possibility. The Argonauts are a possibility. But I do think Dan Peterman, if you look at what they've done in Ottawa, they throw the ball almost more than anybody else right now. And they get the ball out quickly. And they're kind of in a similar style. Jimmy Elizondo's starting to implement a lot of that quick-release stuff for Trevor Harris. Ball, snap catch it in the quarterback's hands, get it out as quick as you can. And I think Peterman's a good addition to that. He can contribute on special teams. They might ask him to be a returner a little bit, which I think he would love. Didn't do a ton of it at McMaster, but he's pretty talented at it from seeing him in games here in Hamilton. And I just think that he earned the right to be able to be in that conversation for a top five pick at the Combine. Uh, you know what? Had a, had a great combine. Uh, I guess it feels it feels like a bit of a reach in that in that spot. Uh, but I'll tell you what: if you were to ever groom a guy where he's not going to see time right away with Sinopoli, Ellingson, and the depth that they have at Deontay Spencer, but Fergie, I'll tell you what: I mean, what a perfect scenario for a young Canadian receiver to groom when you think of the talent and the depth of that position, Chez. I mean, that's. That would be a great, a best case scenario, I think, for a guy like Daniel Peterman, or at least a great case scenario, anyway. I think Marsh has something when you look at, you know, they have depth at offensive line. The Red Blacks are in a good position at O line. 
They got Filippelli last year. Um, they obviously have, you know, four Canadian starters uh, possibly on that O-line now. They're loaded. Uh, and um, at, at receiver, they Canadian receiver, they need um, they need some help. They need some depth. And so if they're going to go receiver, I don't know if Peterman will be the guy, but if they were going to go, if they were going to go position, I think receiver makes sense to me there. They got Fioli Godino over from Winnipeg, uh, Austin Hartley as well. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, I, I could see them needing help at, at, uh, at receiver Marsh, but uh, we'll see if he goes over Simonaz. I don't, I, I didn't, wasn't overly impressed with what I saw at the combine, but what I've seen on film with Rashawn Simonaz, uh, I liked him a lot. I was impressed with Peterman at the combine, though. Yeah, oh. for sure. I've I've got you know concerns about Simonize diving in, you know, moving forward here about what he's going to become as a pro, just based on watching some of his stuff where he kind of gets jammed by CJFL defensive backs. Because I don't know if that's a trend with him or if that's something that he can work his way out of. But I'll, I'll just add this to the end of the Peterman note here. Um, the the Fiore Gadino is a great pickup, I think, for Ottawa. That's going to be an awesome part of their offense coming over from Winnipeg, like you mentioned, Chez, but. Um, Jake Hardy being bounced out of there. Austin Hartley, I think, is viewed more as a special teamer as of right now. Uh, he played in that East semifinal against the Riders at home in Ottawa in emergency duty. But if you're looking to try and upgrade your talent base as a pure receiver, as someone that you think you can throw into the game, if Sinopoli needs a breather or if Yoli Godino gets dinged, or you know, he's got a thick enough body, guys, to be able to block as well, if you can teach him and kind of get him in that, that mindset that he's a blocker as well as a pass catcher. So not completely sold on it like i said it might be a little high but i think that he can do worse in terms of location that he gets taken why not why not absolutely and they're and then are drafting from a position of strength in that area that certainly could be a win for the red blacks in 2018 right all right number five selection uh cannot channel my inner southern uh, drawl for chris jones here and with the fifth selection in the 2018 <laughs> draw how am i doing get up on him well, speaking of which, I'm going on the defensive side of football here, and the first defensive player I've got going in the five spot, and I've got Godfrey Onyeka out of Laurier. This guy just checks the box on everything, you know, for depth at the Canadian position, but this is also, you know, checks the boxes for everything that I think a guy like Chris Jones wants, and I think for what most scouts and GMs want. Now, it's a speed game. Uh, Godfrey Onyeka brings speed to the game. He also brings some strength. Uh, this guy is an athlete, and uh, if there's if there's any possibility of this guy following into what uh, his teammate from a year ago, Kweko Botang, did at Laurier, Marshall, they could have a hit player on their on their hands. That's why I've got Godfrey Onyeka going to the Riders at five. Yeah, absolutely. I love that pick, James, and for a couple of reasons. The first is uh, they use the rotation of free safety, and again, I think you're going to end up seeing Godfrey Onyeka become a will linebacker, but as we know in Chris Jones' system, you want to be able to move guys from free safety to will. You want multiple players that can confuse quarterbacks with their movement and their positioning, so I think that's a good fit because he is one of those tweeners. He's got the length of a free safety, not necessarily the sideline to sideline, but he gets there in a hurry, and when he gets there, he hits like a linebacker, so I think that's going to be the thing that draws Chris Jones' attention to him. I'll also say this. Eli Buka uh, out of the University of Calgary, Dinos, I believe has gone back to the National Football League in this offseason. And I viewed him as being a very similar style of player in terms of big body, long linebacker slash DB that you can kind of rotate around and use almost like a like a nickel defensive back, almost like a Sam that doesn't play that strong side at the linebacker spot. I just I think there's a lot of positives to Godfrey Onyeka being in that spot. And Chris Jones is innately drawn to athletes. And Godfrey Onyeka is, he's brash, he's aggressive, he's loud, he's confident all of those things to me sound like a Saskatchewan Rough Rider and I think that's a good thing for that organization that they're drawing players like that 
I like that pick. I like Anyaka. He can do a lot of things. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, let's move to number six. And number six, uh, is it my six here we're going to see, yeah. ball? All right, with number six. Edmonton. Uh, number six, uh, I have. Channel your Brock Sunderland. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not going to be fancy. I'm going Trey Rutherford gone. from UConn. He's gone. He's not gone on my board. He's been picked. Okay, well. He I'm, went first overall. It's on my board, man. Oh, okay. Well, he's gone. He's gone. Okay, well, I had him at six. That just shows what a donkey I am there, Marsh. Um, I'm never going to get hired as a GM. Uh, um, all right, I so, mean, he could go at six, though. That's the funny thing, is it not, guys? Like, he, he, like I put him at first overall, but yep. there, there's a chance because of the quality of the offensive line, he could end up at six. I know who's going first overall, but I didn't have that pick, so I can't tell you. And, and the listeners will have to wait until the draft <laughs> on Thursday to find out because I know who's going first overall, and it's not Rutherford. Um, all right, so uh, with number six, I'm going to go – with Julian Laurent, uh, defensive tackle, I like Laurent. He's he's a guy. He's a guy who play right now. That's the big thing about Julian Laurent. Every team uh, needs a guy who could two gap, who can who can get on the other end of the line of scrimmage. Any of his coaches, um, anything I've read about how, what his coaches say about him, he's a mature dude. Uh, he can come in right now. Uh, he takes the game seriously. Uh, he studies. He takes care of his body. And he wants to be a professional football player. He's uh, this is all it seems that he's dreamed of. So for him to go there, um, what he has is is a Canadian guy. He's a first down guy mostly. And now the way uh, defensive coordinators are using uh, their personnel, he can come out on second down if he's not a pass rusher. You could bring another, uh, maybe you could bring an import. Um, defensive end, slide him down, put him at tackle to get some pass rush, then bring in a Canadian safety or a defensive back in the back end or maybe a nickel blitzer and use him in that way. A lot of teams nowadays are using, um, you know, platoon and using different packages. I think Julian Laurent's a great fit. If he's not an every down guy, which he might be, if he's not, he's a guy you can use as a ratio changer because he can come in and play first down or in run situations. He can get in the game and there's no doubt about him. Like that's the thing. He's gonna come in and play day one, um, if the roster needs that. So that's a pick that uh, that I like for that reason. All right, Marsh, uh, you to- take it over to uh, to number seven now. Uh, your third pick of the first round, which belongs to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, for Winnipeg, I'm I would love to be able to give them who I have at number six in my mock draft, which was actually Jackson Bennett going to the Edmonton Eskimos. But I'm gonna go offensive line for the Bombers here. I think that's a spot that you might think yes, there's. They have a lot of talent there. Uh, they've got their starters. They like to go with a lot of international guys on that side. But I just feel like uh, out of Alberta, Mark Cordy, uh, at this point, I understand, you know, he's got the couple of rookie minicamp invites, and so he's going to get that look. But we talked earlier, those are a professional experience. He's a guy that got experience at the East-West Shrine Bowl as well. He just looks like, and again, I hate to clarify people or, you know, classify people based on what they look like in terms of body type. Does Mark Cordy, when he's just wearing a, like a T-shirt, not look like a guy who's going to play for 15 years? in the Canadian Football League on offensive line. Like, when I look at him, he's, like, barrel-chested. He's got long enough arms to be able to get by. He's got a strong lower body. It kind of reminds me of Peter Diakowski. Not necessarily the same height or length, but he's got that kind of build to him, and he just looks like he's somebody that's going to be durable that you could put in a game at any point over the next 10 years, and he would prefer for you. It's tough to evaluate offensive linemen unless they're making a mistake, but I feel like Cordy's going to be somebody that we see in this league for a while. That's a really good player, and it just feels like if you're Winnipeg, well, Last year, you got Faith Akakati, sat out a little bit of the year, had some of the conditioning issues at the start, ended up getting into the rotation, became a pretty good player for them. Why not go offensive line this year, right? It's Even if Julian Laurent was still on the table here, I don't think they need D-line at this point. I, you could argue they want to go receiver, but if Peterman's not around, I don't think that they're going to reach for somebody else like a, 
of Rashawn Simon. I go offensive line here, and I think Cordy's just too good of a talent to pass up. You know, the only thought knock that I've heard from one uh, from one coach that suggested to me it's his his size might be a bit of an issue, but by and large, he's got a motor that just never seems to want to stop, and that's the, t- the the sort of hustle that you want to see from a guy. All right, well, if you're leaving him on the board, then I'm jumping all over it because no one's taken him just yet. But with the eighth pick. I've got the Calgary Stampeders. They need to address their offensive line, having lost two Canadian offensive linemen to retirement so far this offseason. Then you know what? Jump on Ryan Hunter. Draft from a position of strength. they still got a lot of depth and talent on this team. Uh, They do need to address their Canadian offensive line depth. And you know what? Ryan Hunter may not be here immediately based on the talent that he brings from Bowling Green and having signed that deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. But guess what? The Calgary Stampeders are snapping up Ryan Hunter. So chew on that, Sanchez. That's a good pick. Uh, I, I like that pick for that reason. They don't They don't need – Stamps have a lot of depth, Canadian depth. They don't need a guy to come and play right now. So because they're in that position, they're able to go and get a future. And that's what Ryan is. Ryan Hunter is uh, a futures pick. Uh, we're going to number nine now, uh, the final pick of the first round, and the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, I'm going to go – I'm going outside the box here a little bit on this pick. Um, I'm going to go Rashawn Simonaz. Yeah. And, and the reason for like this it. pick, and he, Rashawn is, is a, definitely has the highest ceiling of all the receivers uh, in regards to talent. You, you watch him. His times were not impressive. And, Marsh, we've gone back and forth and talked about this for um, quite some time. And, and the combine, you saw his times aren't great, but you saw the fact that he – he can still run away from you. He's quick. He's and the fact that he's six foot five and or six and can get in and out of his breaks the way he does, uh, he, he's got a chance to be special. And I think with with the Argos offense with Jim Pop, uh, there's no one else at that spot that's going to come in and play. Uh, looking at the boards now, at least what we have, no one's going to come in and play on that team uh, right now. So for that reason, you might as well take somebody. Um, who could really, who could be special, who could be an all-star at some point in time, could be a ratio change in all-star, if he ever met, um, you know, the ceiling he has, because the man has got tremendous amount of talent from British Columbia. So Rashawn Simonaz, my homer, my homer pick. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I do, I really do like Rashawn Simonaz, and I, I hope that he gets an opportunity to develop uh, in the way that allows him to show off all the potential that we're all talking about. Again, the only concern that I have is just getting jammed up a little bit uh, on, on film against CJFL guys because it's a, it's a whole different world. You know that Ches, uh playing in professional football and how physical guys are going to be. Um, I when we were at the combine, uh, I basically said on the on the live stream that I was concerned that he, uh, you know, he just didn't have the the things surrounding him when he was with the Okanagan Sun in terms of structure, whether it was practice, workouts, meals, otherwise. He's, he's got a lot going on in life, and so I wondered if he was just kind of you know working a part time job and playing football on the side and hoping to get drafted and see where it went. And I talked to a couple of people who said. Um, they had him on workout plans. They were doing two a days. They had him on meal plans and his body just cannot gain weight. And I, it's kind of an unfair assessment of a guy that tried and has been putting in the work to try and get bigger and stronger. And, but that's why I think he's had so much trouble being able to get off the physicality of professional football in, in a couple of different places that he's been is because uh, he'd be able to gain more onto his brain to be able to compete with those guys. He can run away from dudes, no doubt, but Again, in the Canadian Football League, unless you're putting your, your national receivers out at that wide side wide receiver and just asking them to run go routes to push off the corner every play, I don't know what the use is of a guy that can only run in straight line because I think the route running at the combine, when you saw Mark Chapman running routes and then you saw Rashawn Simonides running routes, 
they were just two different cats. They're just two different styles of guy. I don't think uh, Rashawn so Simonize is a straight I, line guy. You think Rashawn Simon? I, I if I that's how I feel about him right now. Okay, yeah. so if I put him out, if I if I'm drafting, the, if I'm the Argos or any team that drafts Rashawn Simonize right now, the position I'm playing at him at is Z, exactly what you're saying, out wide, and it's it's because he's a special talent going up and getting the ball. I, I completely agree with you. He ran way too high is what, is what I see. When I saw him run his routes, he's way too high. If he runs yep. out of the slot the way he was running at the combat out of the slot, he will get his choked up in the Canadian Football League. He's got to get down. He's gotta, and you know who? Peterman, your guy Peterman, he carried his pads well. He ran He ran low. He got in and out of his breaks low. You need to play with that kind of pad level when you're running through the middle of professional defenses or you'll get killed. So, yes, he ran way too high. Uh, he's not ready to be in a slot receiver in, in yeah. the CFL. But because he can go up and get the ball, those 50-50 balls, yeah, look at my first read, look at my second read. It's not there. I got one-on-one, and Rashawn Simonize and a DB with his back to him, I'm putting it up there. And that's that's what I see in Simonize. I agree with you. His route running wasn't – he's not a straight-line guy, though. He's shifty. Uh, he gets in and out of his breaks. He's definitely got the wiggle to, to do – to play inside. He doesn't have – he's not carrying his pads the way he needs to yet, and he's not tough enough uh, with his body like you mentioned yet. But uh, So I think we're on the same page with, with a lot of that. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a long shot pick. If anyone else is there that I think can help the Argos in regards to right now, they might take him. I don't think anyone is there at, at Chez, our draft right now that can help him. Chess, tell me this, though. You've you got a long history with Jim Pop. A guy who's got those that sort of intangibles, just the size and the athletic ability that Simonize can bring. I feel like that's somebody that Jim Pop just wants to get his hands on, and especially with the quarterback depth now. That's that's and Mark Tressman as well. Like I feel like that you can work with a guy like that in that position for the Argos. I'll tell you what, if you didn't take Cordy with the eighth pick, that would have been Jim Pop right there. Mark Cordy would have for sure. If he falls to nine, if Mark Cordy's still around, uh, or or Godber. Yeah. Um, or or Hunter, or if any of those five linemen that we have on our board are available at nine, Pop goes there. He doesn't take Rashawn Simonize. The only reason that I took Simonize at that spot is because all the linemen that I think could come in and play right now are gone. And other than that, because those linemen, Pop, you know, he went five offensive linemen for, for how many years in Montreal. He would like to do the same thing. And more, even more to that, Mark Trespin, you want to give him and Ricky Ray – as, as much talent on that offensive side of the ball. You want to play the best five receivers you can with that spread out open offense that Mark Trestman's running. You want to give him everything you can. So if you can put another Canadian on your offensive line and be able to play five wide American receivers or four, uh, that's what you're going to do. So, yeah, any lineman that's there out of the guys, the court, the Godber, um, the Hunter, the Rutherford, the Shepley, any of those guys that are there at nine, Pop takes, him, takes those guys. So where can we find you on draft day there, Marshall? Uh, it's obviously Christmas in May for you in just a few days from now. So uh, where can people check in on you on social <laughs> media? Where can people check in on you on social media? Yeah, so I'm going to be uh, trying to pump out some stuff on uh, on my own social media, which is just at TSN underscore Marsh, whether it's Twitter or Instagram. I'll be probably doing a Facebook Live uh, video throughout the draft as well. I'll be on radio uh, doing a draft show as well in Hamilton. So, um, yeah, looking forward to doing all of that stuff. I will say, though, guys, we got bumped off of my own station, TSN 1150 in Hamilton. You know why? The Hamilton Bulldogs are too damn good at hockey. We got bumped because they're probably going to have game one of the OHL Championship Series. So I will be over on Funny 820 coming up on Thursday evening doing a draft show for people tuning in that are looking for comedy. 
that is that is amazing. Well, Marsh, you've been. Uh, that is funny. That is that is good, and I think it's actually uh, raps. Are, <laughs> I think raps are actually the same time as the draft as well. Raps game two, I believe, is the, yeah. is the same time as well. So we got some competition. We're over there uh, on TSN as as well. I'll be I'll be covering it over there with Dwayne Ford, Farhan Lalji, Dave Naylor on TSN at eight o'clock. And Marsh, I do want to say you have been go to CFL.ca, check out. The articles, um, the, the thing that Marsh has been putting up um, <clears throat> for the draft and, and all through this process, Marsh, you've been a rock star, buddy. And I, I, uh, I look at what you do and uh, I'm impressed by everything. I, I appreciate all the great content. I know CFL fans out there, along with you and a, uh, a couple others, a small, a small handful. Dwayne Ford being one of them. But uh, you guys are doing a heck of a job and and studying this and bringing bringing content and. Uh, I appreciate it, buddy. Keep up the good work. And for everyone out there, go check out Marshall Ferguson at CFL.ca because he is the man when it comes to the CFL draft. No, I, I appreciate that, guys. It's um, it's something that is, is near and dear, obviously, because I played with and around all of these schools. And I, I understand where the guys come from and those conversations that you have on the side about, you know, guys just cry, trying to crack the league and trying to get an opportunity. And so um, every chance that we get to talk about players that are going to make a roster in the Canadian Football League, I think is a good thing. But I will say this to fans. If you're as interested as I am throughout the winter and you like this stuff and you think it's great, go to a U sports game. Like that is the way that we grow the game. And that's the way that you get to understand. I don't, you know, I don't want 10, 15 years from now, hopefully when I'm still doing this call with you guys and Solsky's really old at that point, uh, that I end up having these conversations about you guys saying, you know, Oh, I'm just learning about David Mackey at Western for the first time. You know, David Mackey's been great for a long time at Western. He deserves the recognition. He deserves that people in the stand. There's a lot of players around this country that play a lot of really good football. And so that's kind of my mission doing all this stuff. But I appreciate it, Davis. Thank you. You guys have been great to talk to you throughout the winter as well. And looking forward to doing it again for another 15 years. Yes, yeah. sir. It's it's all love, buddy. And by the way, I pumped your tires to tell you how great you are just to beat you down. Daniel Peterman is not going fourth overall. You're out of your gut, dang mind. Just because he went to McMaster and you're being a homer. you got to be kidding me. He is not going in the you? first round. That's not going in the first round. Back to you, Rick. Uh, Fergie, you can never, you can never let him get away with something like that. But, uh, Hey, listen, great stuff as always, man. Great, great hustle. I appreciate the insight as always. And I know everybody, uh, who checks in and downloads the podcast each and every week appreciates it as well. Uh, Marshall Ferguson from CFL.ca and TSN radio in Hamilton joining us this week on our mock draft edition of the Waggle.